Welcome to Storytellers Unplugged. Today's storyteller, Joe Atticus Inch. I am not afraid to say it. I sleep with a stuffed dog every night. I sleep with a stuffed toy replication of Copper from Disney's The Fox and the Hound. I have slept with him ever since the age of five and now 18 and in college, I still do. As a form of rebellion against a society that decides to grow up too fast, builds barriers between boy and man, girl and woman, those who leave their dreams in a box in a basement to gather mildew, I want to keep that inside me, get excited on Christmas morning, making wrapping paper fall like the snowflakes outside, walk upon new cities, new soil, new streets, not with mild curiosity, but with wide-eyed admiration that this was the world that always was outside my window, whether it is view-blocking skyscrapers or just acres and acres of corn, exploring like an infant across the carpet, tasting new taste, feeling new textures, even breathing in new air, with each breath, but you can grow up. There's no problem with that. I like to offer a challenge. Find that one toy that when you were young, you couldn't fall asleep until it was by your side. See if you don't conjure memories held in its fabric, a smile stretched across your face, feeling a little bit safer, not afraid of nightmares, monsters, or the day to come at peace and asleep like a child very nice very nice sir so uh yes everyone welcome to the welcome to the show uh i'm kendall ben's here and this week our guest is uh is is joe um so uh hi all so joe what's your story (laughs) long story short uh i am a midwestern boy uh, from the lower side of the middle class, um, who has been writing for pretty much my entire life. I got very serious about it, uh, when I was 18 and have still be continued to write or try to write uh, as much as I can, uh, for the past 12 years. Okay. So, um, so let's talk about what you just, uh, what you just read. I, the, it's funny. I, I started, one of the reasons I started this podcast was to like really, uh, go in depth on, on specific. That's why I wanted to have people perform on the show, uh, to go mm-hmm. in depth on the specifics, but we'd never do that. So, uh, <laughs> but so that the poem that you read, uh, so what's, what's it, um, what was the, what was the title of that? Uh, that's called copper called copper. Okay. So, um, you mentioned in there being, uh, 18, uh, is that, did you write this when you were 18 or is it more of a character? I did. I wrote it when I was 18. I figured with the, the idea, at least based on the title of this series, uh, I would start out with the oldest poem that I, one of the oldest poems that I had, uh, it was copper was one of the, was the poem Because back in high school, before I started really getting into the poetry scene, per se, I was mainly, I mainly considered myself a songwriter with a lack of musical ability. (laughs) So I wrote lyrics, but didn't have music behind it. And then when I started doing the poetry open mics, 
in Columbus and it shifted more from my focus writing lyricals in the verse chorus verse structure to writing poetry copper was the one that made me shift my was the one that after I wrote it is like I should shift my focus and write something that's easier for me to perform than have to worry about learning musical ability or trying to form a band or right, stuff right. like oh wow <clears throat> so this was kind of a uh, a poem that sort of changed your direction in terms of how your uh i guess your artistic career yes yeah nice that's really cool and it's my mother's favorite poem of <laughs> mine <laughs> so anytime i do anything like that she asks I do anything where I'm going to be reading publicly. She asked me if I'm going to read that. So I figured for this, I would read it for her. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I could see, I could see why your, your mom wouldn't want you would, would, would like that more than some of the poems about being depressed and masturbating that, that I've heard you uh, perform <laughs> in the past. Those were in private Kendall. <laughs> I, they were. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, if you're listening right now, <laughs> this is one of the moments I'm glad my mother doesn't really understand technology. So, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, I thought I figured I figured that was uh, that was fair game because that was there. One of those poems was the last time I I interviewed you. I interviewed you uh, on the uh, on waiting uh, for every man, waiting yeah. here for every man. The the last uh, the last attempt at a at a music interview podcast something or other. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, is there anything else about this, uh, about this poem that's, that's made it stick around? Cause I mean, we've all, we, we all have been, we're doing our stuff since, since we were in our teenage years. And I, I doubt that there's very much from that time period that we would still want to showcase. Um, I mean, like I, I wouldn't go to an open mic now and read copper, but it is part of my history. It is okay. part of my past. Um, it, so it is a part of me and always will be. Um, I think the, the, I still try to hold to Cause I mean, I wrote this poem with the idea of at the time I was just graduated high school. I was entering college and yes, I still slept with this dog. Cause I like the idea of keeping the inner child alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, one of the that's the main thing that brought that out into the poem. And I even now at 31, I still convert pertain to the message of uh, while growing up and trying to be an adult, there is some part of childhood that you have to keep alive to to survive right. and to enjoy life. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all. Yeah, we're all stuck in our lot of stuff like that. Um, <laughs> let's see. I got my list. I was of, ask you, oh, yeah, go I, ahead. I was going to ask you a quick question. Um, so when you read that poem, does it kind of, because I know for me, when I play a song that I wrote when I was 16, 17, or 18, it kind of pulls me back into that time period. So when you read, actually, this goes for both of you guys, but does it kind of pull you back into like when you wrote that song and give you that, that good old odd nostalgic feeling? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I get it more with honestly, like I, cause I still have my, my old lyric notebook from high school when I would write songs as compared to 
poems. Um, and definitely reading back on those, like I can definitely recall, okay, this is who I was listening to at the time that I wrote this, that I got the influence from. Uh, I yeah. can still hear the rhythms in my head. Uh, I can still remember, uh, depending on this, what I wrote, the who the subject matter was and all that. Uh, so yeah, it definitely, it definitely does drop a nostalgia bomb on me when I go back and read any, th- any old pieces of mine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For me, I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I get, look, I don't get me wrong. I get nostalgic. Half of my songs are about how I'm sad that my band broke up 10 years ago, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I definitely, I definitely am, am super stuck in nostalgia. I think that uh, there's a point, though, that I can't go earlier than. Um, sure. And for me, that is it's pretty much the basically when I came back from my from my trip to California, um, you know, the, when I where I dropped out of school and tried to be a rock star and da, 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 and then I kind of when I kind of that was I grew I did a lot of growing up in early 2008 and uh and that's and I think my songwriting matured like a a lot in a very small short period of time. So that stuff I can that stuff I can still revisit. Um, I can I can rework those songs and play them in a set or or even like consider consider doing them on on a on an album or an EP like doing a, a reworked version of something like that. Um, so those songs to me are like still alive and well. Um, and I can really remember exactly where I was. I hate when when old stuff like that is misogynistic or otherwise problematic because that stuff has to get thrown out the window. Um, <laughs> but uh, but if I go yeah if I go back to high school like it's uh, uh, it's, it's a little cringy. <laughs> yep. There's a, I know there's some there was some where I'm just like there's actually some where I I almost black out. I'm like when did I write this and I. Mm. I, I don't remember what state of mind I was in when yeah. I wrote some of those lyrics. Like, okay. Well, there's there's a there's a song that I'm that's on my next upcoming work. It's called uh, "Were We Ever That Young?" About playing in a band and how I'm sad that my band broke up ten years ago. But one of the one of the lines is, "I dust off a disc that meant so much back then, wondering why I didn't do a second take." So it's like I'm you know I'm listening to one of my old songs and it's like. I very easily could have just done another take so I did not stutter on that lyric or so that I wasn't just a little bit flat there or so that I didn't stumble on the keyboard part or whatever. <laughs> so I just fixate yeah. on those little teeny tiny mistakes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there's some beauty in in the imperfections because um, then, I don't know, sometimes uh, this is a tangent so we can get back on topic here in a second. <laughs> Um, but, uh, sometimes you can get so focused on taking so like having so many takes to get that perfect sound that it almost ends up being worse depending on your state of mind. Uh, cause a lot of times your first or second take ends up being your best take. Right. Right. Yeah. I definitely, um, if, if I don't get it, if I don't get something in a, in a couple of takes, a lot of times I have to just completely throw it out the window and come back to it later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, de- yeah, def- I definitely agree with that. Um, so 
let's actually uh, let's actually Joe, why don't you play us uh, or play us a song? Re- do another thing. Why don't you okay. do another thing, Joe? <laughs> do a thing, give me, man. Give me one second here to put out the match. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one's called The Walk. The Walk. In the distance between Ruby Tuesday Live and the Gateway, it's 20 degrees outside. But enough people have told me to get lost, so tonight I just might. Besides, the cold gives me gives me an excuse for the trembling as I try to figure out this world now without you. I just need a moment. All I have now is time. There is nothing left waiting for. The inevitable has happened. Your voice is just my imagination in the wind is sharp across the face. There's a light up ahead and steady ground. If I take my hands out of my pockets, I might lose feeling that there is someone who believed in my dreams. There's just this straight path. It looks like it leads somewhere. When I'm trying to go nowhere, outside a bar there, cleaning up someone's sickness with sawdust without any thought of what was built from the wood, God bless it, it's cold and strangely beautiful. There's a shine to it. It makes me think of a sunset on a cliff the pastor called your heaven. I hope it's warm there, Paul. That's it. <laughs> it's Thanks. it's hard to tell where the ends of the poems are because there's no. Uh, that's I guess that's why is that why in coffee shops people pound on the do the bongos <laughs> to signify the end of the song. Uh, or poem? I mean, I figured anyone who who would use bongos still nowadays are just trying to like <laughs> like any musician just trying to keep a rhythm. Mm-hmm. I got you. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I wondered if that was like, cause it is, it is weird. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a, uh, if it's a, a, a dramatic pause or, um, yeah. And I, I, maybe I need to practice. Maybe I need to listen to more poetry, I guess. Um, so what's the, what's the story with that one? What's the background? Uh, that, with that, was, one? Uh, that one was written. Um, after my grandfather's passing, uh, for almost five years ago now, mm. um, uh, the poetry night that I work with, uh, writing wrongs, poetry, sl- poetry, uh, used to be held Tuesdays at Ruby Tuesday live down on campus. Mm-hmm. And one night after, after work, after, uh, poetry was done, I just decided to, I didn't want to go home. I was I'm, I was still processing losing my grandfather uh, just weeks after I lost my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So I just need to walk. But it, and even though it was 20 degrees out as it was 20 degrees outside and very cold, it's just I just uh, need something to clear my head and a good walk always helps me. And that was that was a, a good walk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I've definitely definitely been there. When you're when you get fat enough though, you don't want to take walks, you just go for drives instead. <laughs> um, that's well, when I, you're poor enough, gas money becomes an <laughs> issue. Yeah. yeah I, I see both of your points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love walks. Walks are great. Yeah, you painted a picture very well with the um just the, the aspect of cold. I was uh, shivering while listening. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes that sometimes you just it's like that it's that it's cathartic. 
So uh, yeah. you talked about you talked about the 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 writing wrongs poetry night and I, what's what's the state of that world with the with COVID nineteen. Um, uh, with like with everything with the human malware that uh, has been going on, human malware. Uh, um, we had big plans for this year. Mm-hmm. We had big plans. We were reaching out. We were going to work with a lot of different uh, groups in the in the community. Uh, we were we were we're still we were still trying to rebuild our night after we had moved from. Ruby Tuesday Live down to uh, Mikey's Late Night Slice downtown, um, and um, but at once everything started getting shut down. At the beginning, we were de- we uh, we were talking about trying to continue the night via virtual open mics and stuff like that. But I think between myself and the four other members of the staff. Uh, life just kind of got in the way and with everything that was going on. Uh, I talked to them uh, a couple weeks ago and we need to talk again, but we hope to try to start back up once it becomes safe, when right. we feel like we can provide a safe space for people to come out, um, which, yeah, right now we just, um, it's not, a, it's still not a good time to, try to do it again with as much as people want to try to reopen everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, I guess, is there, I mean, I don't, I don't know how entrenched you are in that, in the, the poetry community or the, the spoken word community or whatever. Is there, is there an online presence? Is there a, a groundswell of people posting Instagram lives of their poetry or, or, um, or? In the beginning of when everything started shut down, uh, one of the nights in Columbus, Writer's Block, which is another really good night here in Columbus, they did virtual open mics. I think they still do, but I personally hadn't been able to view any of those due to work schedules with usually having to work on Wednesdays and time and stuff like that. So, um I've seen other nights, not in Columbus, from but um, across the country, I've seen people do virtual events. Uh, but I think it's just like uh, seeing a concert as a virtual event. Like I just uh, last weekend saw Blue October's virtual concert live from Austin. It was their first event since everything shut down. And mm-hmm. it's it's good it's it's really cool it's really cool but it doesn't have the same experience as seeing it in person and being in the room yeah yeah and gain the the energy off of everyone else totally yeah i've really i've really noticed um i guess where i've done where i've noticed it more because i'm not you know i i hang out i hide in my house all the time anyway you know I can't, I can't, I can never bring myself to leave my house. Uh, I mean, except for when I'm not supposed to, um, you know, I, I probably go out to eat now more than I did before the quarantine, but, um, but, uh, like I've noticed that there's, there's definitely, it's, it's hard to create stuff in this climate. Um, whether that's, and, and that's, it's a combination of cause we're all dealing with a bunch of crap. 
uh, and um, and then also just the just the resources are, are just a real struggle, and it's it's uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I guess I'm fortunate that I you know that I knew how to ha- that I had microphones and knew how to do uh, the podcasting thing because now everybody wants to do this, including like celebrities and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Joe, your, your job, your job is one where you just get to, you just get to completely work from home all the time, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very firm. No. Uh, I, uh, I work the, with the fulfillment at target. So okay. I- there was no quarantine for me. Uh, the only thing that changed for me in the past uh, past couple months since March is basically anything that I would do in my time outside of work is no longer happening. Mm-hmm. So for the mm-hmm. past for so for the past five months now it's just been basically work and home. Mm-hmm. Mm. What is what does fulfillment mean? Uh, we do all the online orders. Um, in-store pickup, we, we pick, uh, items, people pick up in store, drive up, uh, we ship out a lot of the, um, we ship out online orders, uh, with UPS. Okay. So you're not, you're not, uh, you're not necessarily dealing directly with the customers at least, right? Only when I'm out on the floor. Okay. Okay. If they ask me something where something is, that's basically the only uh, interaction that I have okay. with with yeah. the guest. Uh, do you have any? Um, I, I don't want to don't want to uh, speak ill of your employment or anything, but any crazy stories? Um, at the beginning, I mean, I will say that from what I've what I personally experienced, people had have been calm. There, um, in the beginning, there were a few, a few douchebags and Karens. Um, we had one guy because there was a point back in April where we weren't accepting returns Mm -hmm. of everything. Uh, we did have one guy who hoped that our guest service representative would die because he couldn't return something. Uh, we, uh, we had a woman uh, berate uh, my manager and our front end guy because she couldn't return something. And despite the fact that he was wearing a mask, he had a bushy beard and that was unhygienic. Mm. Um, we had people we had people break down in tears because we were out of Nintendo Switches. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, the, I mean, it's kind of died down now, but right. everything kind of seemed to go through phases especially with in my department every everything kind of started to go through phases like when it first hit we couldn't keep hand sanitizer uh bleach uh clorox wipes paper towels toilet paper all that we couldn't keep any of that on the shelves yeah uh so for like first two months couldn't keep any of that and then as the lockdown continued Uh, We went through certain changes. There was like one week where it seemed like everyone was ordering hair dye. There was one week where uh, a lot of our hardware stuff was starting to go heavy. Um, And and now now is just because they're still pushing back to school. Uh, So right now, uh, back to school starting to pick back up 
again. So it's somewhat going back to normal. There hasn't been any, like we can, we, the only thing that we can't keep on the shelves now is uh, Clorox disinfectant wipes. Mm. That's the thing that sells out the most. Okay. I was going to ask you, how are we doing on toilet paper? Cause that's my, I'm getting closer and closer. Uh, toilet paper. Uh, for the past, we've been able to keep, I think people finally came to their senses that uh, if they get COVID, they're not going to shit themselves to death. So, we gotta, so I still we think got, that is so funny. Well, so, it's just, um, sorry, go ahead. So yeah, yeah, we got uh, toilet paper. We got it's not as the the aisle's not as full as it used to be pre-pandemic, but we do have toilet paper on the shelves. We do have paper towels on the shelves. We do have hand sanitizer on the shelves. Well, I think okay. I think the thing is the the thing with all the stuff at the beginning was like a lot of people are like me, where like I go to the grocery four to five times a week. And actually eat out most of my meals I go out to eat anyway. Like, I usually, when I go to the grocery, it's to buy, like, one meal worth of food. And mm-hmm. so, at the beginning of the pandemic, so many people who were used to buying one meal worth of food at a time needed to buy a month worth of food at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? And so, it just, you know. And then, and then also, and with the toilet paper, it was like, it was like, well, normally I wouldn't, I would just, like, let the toilet paper run out, but... There's, it's legitimately not there. So because it's legitimately not there, I'm every time I'm at the grocery, I'm going to pick it up. You, you know, I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, it just is what it is. It, it, the toilet paper thing was a weird, was a weird thing, but I, uh, yeah, actually I'm going to need to buy some, I'm on my last, uh, <laughs> on my last six pack, but I did buy, I, I got my Costco membership. Um, there so go. I had a, I had a Costco pack, like kind of like as soon as it start, it all started to be. Uh, like everything was kind of coming back and Costco had like half their store was toilet paper. One of the time that I, one of the times that I went in, um, but I picked up a pack of toilet paper that has gotten me, you know, it was like two or three months worth. All right. So with that, let's, I'm going to play a song now. So uh, I, what I didn't actually like properly prepare anything. Um, because, you know, we do this once a month, so it completely snuck up on me. Um, and I organized it and scheduled it, so I didn't know when it was going to be. I don't, no excuses, Kendall. Um, but this is, uh, this is an old song that I wrote about, uh, being sad that my band broke up. Um, this is, this is actually from a few years ago from my album. Uh, what's the album called? Oh, the album's called Daltry Lane. Uh, it's on my band camp, uh, but uh, I'm going to play it on the ukulele and we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think it'll sound good on the ukulele. Hopefully. Saxophone sang and the cymbals crashed. It 
And I was naive like a child We were gonna be famous and rich Or at least we'd build a following Supplemental income was my elevator pitch All out of plans led to nothing Started out alone playing open mics Singing my songs for three or four drunks Had to form a band, I'm not quite sure why Had a red-headed bass and a guitar playing monk and rich or at least we build a following supplemental income was my elevator pitch whole lot of plans led to nothing things got complicated Overnight A night that lasted two or three years When things fell apart I'd try to make it right Even now Part of me wishes that you were right here and rich or at least we build a following supplemental income was my elevator pitch whole lot of plans led to nothing supplemental income I never wanted to be rich but it all led to nothing All right. Thanks, Kendall. Yeah, thank thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh that's not that didn't sound all right. Um, so, uh, words, lyrics, <laughs> writing, Joe, what's your process? Um, my process is, um, if I get an idea, I like to start with a basic skeleton. Um, what do I want to say? How do I want to say it? Uh, peaks, valleys, like any storytelling, um, Make sure it starts strong. Make sure it ends strong. Make sure there's enough uh, in the middle for people to get a, to grow, get an attachment to, possibly relate. Um, 
and basically uh, just looking at whatever could inspire me. Okay. Okay. Um, so you're with, uh, with, with poet, with poetry, um, do you, is everything you write like free form, just whatever, or do you look at things like meter and, uh, I mean, does any of your, none of your stuff rhymes, right? Or does some of it rhyme? Uh, not intentionally. Not intentionally. Okay. If a rhyme happens, it happens. But that's uh, that was one of the main things that I felt like when I especially switched over from more from being a songwriter to writing just straight poetry. Um, it was a little bit freeing. Not like because I was very much, as I said, the uh, in the verse, chorus, verse structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, each verse, same amount of same amount of lines, chorus, about four lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, like I said, when I get the skeleton and I get something written down and then from there it goes to the editing, what can be taken out, what can what can be taken out, what can be improved upon? Is this wording good? Um, and when I get to a point where I think it's good, then I'll send it to a friend who will review it and give notes. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Having, uh, somebody else review it. Um, do hmm. you, uh, this is not supposed to be an interview. This is supposed to be a discussion. So I'm not going to ask you questions. No, I am going to ask you questions because <laughs> I, I'm curious about this. Uh, so, uh, I'll we'll we'll give Ben a chance to talk in a second. Um, <laughs> uh, um, do you uh, do do you um once once so once it goes through the initial process do, is part of the writing I guess is part of the writing process performing for you. Um, yes. Um, because it's always good, like I would I would even think comparing it to. Uh, both of you as lyricists, um, you might think you have a great line in your head and you think it's going to get a certain reaction. But when you put it from the in front of an audience you, and you get the completely different reaction, I think that mm-hmm. helps you grow as an artist um, yeah. with the sense that um, it's always it's nice to have what is yours. But the minute you put it out there, it is no longer yours. And it's good to know that it's good to see that it does get. So you know where to what exactly to emphasize, maybe what what to take out uh, and all that. Okay. Okay. Um, that's that's uh, yeah, that's interesting. So I'll talk a little bit about my process. Uh so first of all, I, I do definitely, I probably do it the most wrong ever, like the most <laughs> wrong way of doing it possible, but it's like the most, but it's also like the most, uh, like the way that people in a movie would do a thing like with my, I mean, sometimes I, cause sometimes I write, I, I even have the, I even write the lyrics with a guitar and you know, whatever, but I do write my lyrics with the first verse first and the and then the second verse and then the third verse and then the chorus or, or something like I'm very structured with my writing. Um, Hmm. I've, I've moved away from 
probably because I've my style has like kind of simplified my melodies and stuff have simplified. I don't worry about meter as much, but almost always we're talking about we're talking about sixteen lines when I write my lyrics. Um, okay, and they are either either couplets or 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 a b a b um as far as rhyme scheme uh if the, if the song is going to have a bridge or if the song is going to have like the thing that that the the one that i sung like supplemental income has has like where the where the chorus changes at the end that's something that comes later in the process but my yeah. my my songs are yeah they're it's almost always 16 lines of ABAB. That's probably why all my songs sound the same. Um, but as far as the lyric writing, it's that it's there. Um, and then also I, I very much like I go into like a, a trance like state. Sometimes it's late at night. Sometimes it's early in the morning, several songs. I think like four or five songs that I've written in the last couple of years, I wrote them in the 20 minutes when I first got to work, when I was at like my most bitter and angry and depressed in like the 20 minutes before stuff started happening at work. Um, there's, there's like, there's one of them that I was like, there's one of them that's like, it's got like several lines about this coworker that I could not stand. Um, I think the line is, I can't even remember what the line is, but the line is something along, along like, like, I don't care. I, I I understand that you made mistakes, but I don't care about your high school sports. And it was a, t- referring to this like 60 year old who was talking about who would always talk about like how he could have he could have done better his senior year of football. It's like this was you're talking about something that was 40 years ago. And I don't Glory care about days. sports anyway. <laughs> you know, like, you by glory days. yeah it's like it's like uh i mean don't get me wrong i'm stuck in the past too don't get me wrong but like but still like this guy you know it was like uh uncle rico and napoleon dynamite so <laughs> so That's um, a example. <laughs> yeah yeah uh and then like and then like sometimes i will have like i want to write a song about this or or I don't want to write a song about this, but I feel like I have to. Like the the um, after the the after George George Floyd's death and uh, and um, and all the and all the protests that came after that, I I was like, there's no way that I can do this justice, but I kind of have to write something about this, and yeah. and so I you know again I I woke up. I was, um, that weekend I was, uh, I was at my, at the family house in Ashtabula and I, I woke up, uh, and I actually had kind of planned on doing a little bit of recording that weekend and didn't do very much, but I woke up and just kind of like first thing in the morning, just like forced it out. And aside from, uh, aside from, yeah, my editing comes from just playing it over and over again. Uh, it's interesting. You said that you you judge it based on uh how how something reacts to an audience it's almost like a like what a stand up comedian would do like like where they where they try yeah. their material out and see see my stuff evolves over time but it doesn't have anything to do with my audience fuck my audience like <laughs> it's like i i listen to myself saying that thing over and over again 
and um like there's a there's a line uh in in that in that song it's called what am i to do the song is called what am i to do that i had one line where i was i was really frustrated with people who i otherwise would agree with on like social media or whatever but when they make arguments that are kind of bad faith arguments like like clear like clearly these people are also hi- hypocrites it's like i want to agree with you but i but i don't but 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 you're you know but you're 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 not you're not supporting you're not doing a good job with the argument um and the way that i wrote it kind of made it sound more like i was the way that the after a few hearing the line a few times i felt like i it, it came across more as the uh I, like I was one of those you're not protesting the right way people, and so I so I had to change the so I had to change the line to make it more about general hypocrisy and looking at actions versus what people say, um, and uh, and I think that it it kind of worked a little bit better. But that was just because I played it over and over and I listened to the lyrics myself. I, it didn't have anything to do with no you know nobody else had heard the song at that point. Hmm. Well, I think. Um, uh, what uh to, i guess clarify what i was saying is like uh i mean before definitely before i i would read any i would read anything in public mm-hmm. i wanted to make sure um because especially in my younger days um you know i would say something in a poem that to me didn't seem like it was problematic at all right but it's always good that after I did read it, you know, I have, I had people come up. It's like, <clears throat> there's a certain parts of these that maybe you should word better. Or they come off this way. And mm. that's definitely okay. something that I don't didn't want to do. So I had a friend who is a comedian and with the demographic that we were at, I'll be very open in the way I describe that. I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of different types of people that went to this place. And my friend um, had, I mean, it was a generally pretty clean bit that he did. That was universal. But there was one little segment where he talked about mental illness and talked about, because he had worked for the suicide hotline. And that one teeny little bit, there was one guy in the back that got, you know, very upset about it because he, he just rubbed him the wrong, the wrong way because he'd been admitted to, you know, the hospital before and it's been a big part of his life. So I think that does bring a lot of light into the audience helping you out in terms of, you know, what, how things come across. Yeah. And that's, and Joe, that's good that, that you, that you listen to feedback, uh, come at it. I think all of us, all of us are in a position of relative privilege and it's and it is it is definitely good to be aware of uh especially if you're cuz you're pushing the i mean you do want to you you do want to push the edge with your writing right you know yeah you you want to especially, especially especially when i was younger i mean as with the like the anecdotes that y'all are sharing i never remember um uh one of my earlier pieces uh i used the c word mm-hmm. in it just to be edgy, to right, right. to be okay. edgy, or and not to and to yeah to kind of insult someone who I was talking about, but then yeah someone came up to me and is like, there are better ways right than right. to use that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And that's always a good theory, uh, especially especially because there's because yeah, there are always other ways mm. to to say something that won't make that won't give you the impact that you thought you were going for, but give you a better impact right, of right. what should be. Well, and and it's and I think I think where it comes down a lot of where it comes down to. And especially I think we're, you know, we're in, we're in a little bit better place with this than we were a few years ago, at least. I mean, assuming that all three of us are learning, you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, uh, I think we were brought up in ways that certain words that are the, the, in our minds, we were thinking, oh, this is just a way that you, you know, this word is just a word that has is negative con- connotation. You, know, you use the R word if. If somebody is if somebody's doing something stupid, you know, if a and, sure. and and then there's lots of words for there's lots of words for for women uh, that are that you know because or or, or gay people um, mm-hmm. because because we were kind of you know on a on a it wasn't it wasn't per se talked about as much. I mean we I mean all of us here. I mean we got to think about too is like. At a point where any of us were possibly using that type of language, we got to consider the fact that, one, it was before the age of social media. Mm. So we weren't getting other people's perspectives as much as we do now. Sure. So if like because we all we're all we all went to Hilliard. We all went to Davidson. We all were in the grew up in the Hilliard suburban world. Mm-hmm. So we did, per se didn't get pro- a lot of the diversity where pe- we were probably around a lot of people who were would be affected, offended by that type by that type of language at that time. And even at that time, it was just supposed to be something read off. Oh, your kid, you'll grow out of it. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting direction that this uh, that this has taken. But yeah, I mean, it's but it's true. You know, lyrics. You got to be you got to be aware of of uh, of how of how people are going to take their lyrics. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, so so Ben uh, Ben, why don't you take us get us back on track here? Tell tell me I'm I'm really curious cuz cuz you are more of a more of a music guy I think than sure. than than me with your with your writing but I'm curious how your how your lyrics come about. Oh lord it is let me go ahead and say this I do not consider myself a writer I'm a musician who tries to write but it it really does take a lot of brain power for me and a lot of focus to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So typically in the songwriting process for me, I tend to start off with the hook. So coming up with a melody and a chorus. Um, And I generally try to come up with a theme for it. Um, But in terms of writing the lyrics, gosh, it's different every time. A lot of of what I do is coming up with, kind of like what you said, Joe, having a skeleton. Uh, So I like to finish a song and it might be really miserable lyrics just to some just something to kind of fill up the space scrambled eggs oh how much i love your legs that kind of thing yeah something like that 
Sure. <laughs> that's that's yesterday by the Beatles. That was they couldn't think of the he couldn't think of the words. See, that shows how great I am with lyrics. <laughs> but uh, no, but yeah, just naturally for me. Um, so this isn't like to brag or anything, but I've always been more the one to pick up things by ear um, when it comes to playing music. But I think there's a trade-off with that. Words have always been a struggle for me, whether it's memorizing them um, or just coming up with the right words. So it takes a lot more effort for me. So, yeah, generally I'll, I'll come up with a, a bare-bone skeleton of a song. Um, and then a lot of times I'll go to it the next day and be like, okay, that was a pretty bad word. Let's rewrite that. Let's rewrite that. And it's a progression. You know, I'll uh, just keep revisiting it, keep playing it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of tough for me to say. There's no exact formula for how it comes about. So, so when you say you have a, a, a rough skeleton, because that's because yeah. um, because you're writing. I mean, so you're, you're pretty much writing the music, the music and then the lyrics. Um, when you say a lot of when, yeah. is it are you? I mean, do you do you write a, a verse and a chorus, and then be like, and did it did it did for the bridge, like like what, or do you write? Are you are you writing like various like mixes of lines and then mumbling through parts of it? What do you mean by a by a skeleton? Well, uh, so again, I, I usually start with the chorus because that's the thing that kind of I'm all about trying to keep create. Sort of catchy Start type with stuff. The chorus, that's wrong. Yeah, go ahead. I know, right? <laughs> but it's not like that every time. Um, I, I wish I could describe the process better, but mm. um, I, yeah, I'm not really good at describing it to be honest. I'll, I'll come up with what I think is a good chorus, and I'll be deliberate. And you know, so for example, I drove down to Texas during Hurricane Harvey because um, my sister lives down there. Um, and I didn't even know what was going on until my coworker called me and said, Hey, just checking up on you. See how, how you're doing. I'm like, uh, what's going on. And then that's when I found out the hurricane was going on. So that gave me the topic of fear. Um, so trying to come up with something along those lines with the, I had a general idea of writing about fear, but I already had this melody in my head for the chorus. So I kind of came up with the chorus about fear. And then after coming up with the chorus, I sort of had, had a melody for the verse and then sort of hummed along until I guess the words sort of fit. Um, I really wish I could give you a formula for it, but it's, it's kind of different every right, time. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, just like what you're saying is really interesting to me. Cause like for me, choruses are so hard. I think choruses are the hardest thing. Um, I either, I, I'm never, ha- I'm almost never happy with my choruses, but like it's it, lyric wise, it's either sometimes when, I mean, so, when I write the chorus first, it's, it's when I have like a general idea and I have four lines that are, that summarize the whole song and then, sure. um, and then like try to go in more depth in the verses um, yeah, but usually, and then sometimes my songs have no point, no meaning to them whatsoever. So I just, uh, cause all of the songs, all of the, all the stanzas are saying the same thing. Like it's not telling a story. And then I just pick one of the stanzas to be the chorus. But a lot of times, like I have to like be like, there's no chorus here. I have to like flip three pages back to a, to a song lyric that I threw in the garbage 
and, <laughs> and do it or or I have to be like, okay, um, let's flip the – this is where I have to do the – let the music do some of the work and I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's flip the chord progression or let's <clears throat> double the speed of the chord progression or, or something so that I can kind of get something <clears throat> here and then I just like – I am depressed. I am depressed. I'm depressed. And the song's called I'm depressed, you know? And and so it's like, like, like I just, you know, mumble something over it. Uh, Sometimes I don't even write choruses. Sometimes I do the Bob Dylan thing where I just say the title at the end of every stanza. Sure. And And that's the beautiful part about creating. I mean, you know, you kind of have to work with what comes natural to you and, um, I'm always, it's been kind of cool because lately I've been, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, that's, it's been cool. That's my point. A lot of the people that I've been talking with lately, words tend to be more thing that stick out to them. And, and I love that because it brings out in me more intentionality in my lyrics. And now I'm like looking back at some of my music. I'm like, Oh, like I, in the past, I would just kind of throw something together and be like, well, I like the melody and, you know, the words are good enough and we'll just call it a day. But now it's kind of cool to, to kind of look back on it and, you know, how do I want this to, to evolve? Do I want the lyrics to tell a story? Do I want it to be ironic? Mm-hmm. Do I want it to have a rhyming scheme or do I want to not follow that? Because it's definitely okay to sometimes get away from that. Do mm-hmm. I want to change tempos? Um, all these things that are kind of nuances that I hadn't thought about before. Um, but one more thing I'll add to that though, is that another thing for me about courses is I have a bad memory, so it's helpful for memory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think that, um, so with rhyming, I think something that I've, that I've kind of embraced of late, uh, cause I realized this, like I'll listen to a Bob Dylan song or something like that and you can kind of predict what the next line is going to be. Because of the because you know the rhyme scheme the rhyme scheme so you yeah. can kind of see especially if it's kind of a joke or something um, sure you know you can kind of see it coming um, mm-hmm. and it also like it's kind of a crutch honestly like like when I was when I when you're in in English class or whatever they're like oh and you can you know write po- poetry that rhymes or write poetry that doesn't rhyme you just want to say exactly what you want to say but saying what you want to say is hard. Um, but yeah. thinking of a word, it's like multiple choice. Cause like, I only know so many w- words that, uh, that rhyme with hope. And so like, I go to Bope, the Pope. Cope, <laughs> Dope, Fope, Elope. Elope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Elope. Yeah. You know, you know, and then, and then you think of it and you're like, oh, and, and then the there's, lope. that's, that can go with the sentence, you know, that can yeah. go with the, you, you know, you only have so many choices because you only have so many words that you can say yeah, as opposed cool. to being able to say anything in the world. And then you also get credit because it rhymes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Actually, I think it is sort of, it's not a bad thing, but yeah, definitely sort of, um, how do I want to put it? It sort of straightens out the songwriting path a little bit mm-hmm. um, for better, or for worse, you know? Yeah. So, um, so Joe, what, what is the what is the hardest part for you about about writing poetry, about the the writing process? Um, I think you uh, like what you just started on uh, what you just were kind of talking about. Uh, the hardest part is um, trying to 
like I said, because most of the time when I start the sketch, when I start with a skeleton, I know what I want to open with and I know what I want to end with. The hardest part is trying to fill up that middle so that yeah. trying to find the word, trying to find um, connecting point, all the connecting points between how I started, how I ended, um, making sure that um, if I'm working on something that uh, specifies a certain type of imagery, like with um, with the with the poem I did, the uh, a walk. Um, ben kind of picked up on it. Yes, there's a reason. There's a lot of cold elements to it, so there's all that. Um, and it's just trying to make it um, sound like I'm not repeating myself. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, um, another just another challenge too is like I don't want a bunch of pieces about the same subject that all sound the same. So it's basically trying to the hard the hard thing is to stretch myself out as a writer and as an artist, um, trying to fool around with different forms of poetry. Um, things like sonnets and, um, uh, pantomimes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's basically just trying the, I mean, and all honesty, yeah, the hardest part is, uh, all the space between A and B. Sure. Okay, cool. Cool. I was, yeah, I was kind of wondering if there was figured there, it does seem like there's some parallels there. All right, uh, Joe. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on. This has been a really good. Uh, this has been a really good uh, ex- uh, conversation. A really good uh, episode, I think. Um, <laughs> is there any place on the internet that people can find your work? Find my work. Uh, I mean, that you would want to f- them to find it. I mean, <laughs> if you want to see a bunch of old. Um, I feel like on YouTube, there are a few uh, old videos. So if you want to see a um, 19-year-old me when I tried to start a, <laughs> when I tried to start a YouTube channel with my poetry, or um, there's some others that other people have filmed of me that if you want to see what I look like with uh, two years on um, two years unemployed double chin, uh, that's out there. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, um, yeah, other than that, there's, I mean, uh, if you want to hear anything from me, you can always talk to me. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, just, uh, be kind. <laughs> Sounds right. good. And I'm looking forward to, oh, whoop, sorry. I was just going to ramble. You go ahead. I was just going to say, well, hopefully soon, well, may not be very soon, but someday we'll have poetry nights again and. Mm-hmm. open mics again and all that good stuff when the time mm-hmm. is right. Um, yeah, you can find, uh, my music, uh, Kendall Hallman dot bandcamp.com or however bandcamps are bandcamped. Um, and Kendallcast.ninja, of course. Uh, and Ben, I always forget what your website is. You can go to, you can check out my music on Spotify, Apple music, and you can go on my, website benjaminmarshallmusic.com all right well thanks again everyone for listening uh joe why don't you uh do one do one more for us to play us out 
right. Uh, real quick, uh, just to continue the storytelling theme, this poem is called Drowning for the Workforce. Uh, it's, the title comes from a song by the band Thursday um, that uh, I got highly influenced about. Uh, it's about working retail, um, what it can feel like working retail, at least for me. And especially I wrote this last year and it definitely feels still feels a lot more true uh, working retail in the pandemic. So to anyone listening, be kind to your retail workers, to your servers, to all the ones who uh, have no choice uh, but to be out into the world. So this is called uh, Drowning for the Workforce. We should have jumped ship at the first sign of a leak. We swore we could patch it up like before. Captain calls full steam ahead. Keep shoveling. Haven't been broken by a storm yet. When the water got up to our ankles, they promised we could still make it. Brought us more coal to shovel. Pushed the water up to our hips. Said we were all in this together. The ocean reached our necks. Assured there were enough lifeboats. Just got to take care of the upper decks first. We can get there as long as we keep a fire lit. Sure as help shore is up ahead help is on the way just use your lungs as life vests everyone will get out alive while we've lost so many already makes you wish you could just go with them what keeps us here is not that we don't know how to swim is that we don't have the strength we keep shoveling like it'll be a blessing to have our bodies rest closer to the shore until the sharks come then your best bet is to act like you're not alive at all. Thank you, everyone.